1: Hello, and thanks for joining us for episode 511 with Greg Clunas. Greg is discussing how often it's a tiny leap that you can make in your personal, professional life that lead to big changes that make all the difference. You'll learn, one, why self-help is often inadequate, two, just what you can achieve with one tiny leap, and three, what to do when motivation fails you. So if you want to check out the show notes or the transcript or the links to items that we've referenced, it's over at awesomeatyourjob.com slash F511. Now here's Greg's story. Greg Clunas is the host, author, and creator of Tiny Leaves Big Changes, a podcast-turned book and community whose goal is to help people become better versions of themselves in practical ways. A maker and entrepreneur, Greg explores the reality behind personal development, that all big changes come from the small decisions we make every day. Using scientific and psychological research, he shows the hidden factors that drive our behavior and shares habit-forming and goal-oriented tools. And one tiny leaf you could make that could result in a big change in your presentations comes from our sponsor, Prezi. If you're bored with presenting and reading bland slide decks, Prezi may well be your rescuer. Prezi is a software program that helps you make interactive, dynamic, and impactful presentations that engage audiences and get results. Prezi's give you a moving, zoomable canvas that helps you present with the flow of a conversation. You can freely move throughout the presentation, zooming in for details and context and zooming out to show the fuller, bigger picture. One university research study found that Prezi was 25% more effective, 22% more persuasive, and 16% more engaging than a PowerPoint presentation. You can present from any internet-enabled device or even use their desktop version when there's no signal to be found anywhere. You can even convert your existing PowerPoint presentations with their converter so you can quickly get up and going with Prezi and even use some of their snazzy, easy-to-use templates. So spice up your presentations by trying Prezi for free for two weeks at prezi.com awesome. That's spelled Prezi, as in P-R-E-Z-I dot com slash awesome. Now, here's Greg. Greg, thanks for joining us here
2: on the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Pete. It is a pleasure.
1: Well, I also want to thank you. You're the one who gave me the idea to have five-minute calls with my listeners, which I've been doing in celebration of 500
2: episodes. Oh, yeah. So, everyone, you could thank Greg for that. Well, first of all, congrats on 500. That's amazing. Oh, thank you. How have those calls been uh, playing out? well yeah it's been really fun i i mean it, it's just fun to connect with people and and i find that well hey five minutes really goes
1: fast oh definitely and sometimes people that they they, they they have all these bullet points and they're rushing to, to cover them <laughs> and so i think i'm gonna do some more actually so i also want to get your take so you mentioned that you play a lot of Fortnite. yeah and uh hey i mean no disrespect uh, <laughs> but when i hear Fortnite, what comes to my mind is 13-year-old boys playing it nonstop. Pretty much, yeah. But I think you could translate it for the rest of us. Why is this
2: game taking off like crazy? Yeah. So here's the thing, because I think that that is true of gaming in general, but we have to look at why that's the case, right? So 13-year-old, 14-year-old boys and girls are the ones in a position where they can grind away at a game to get good. And for the rest of us, Because we don't have that luxury, we never really get good and therefore we never really get to enjoy it. Mm -hmm. But the reason that, and I have this conversation all the time with my girlfriend, one of the biggest reasons that Fortnite is as massive as it is and blew up the way that it did is because we all have some connection to gaming, right? And Fortnite comes out. It's filling this space, but then they do really, really smart things around content marketing, around uh, utilizing their technology, reinvesting in their company to make sure the game is free, to make sure it's available on literally every single platform. So it creates this hype around it. And because we all sort of have this connection to gaming already, and most people like games, we just don't have the time for games just makes it super easy for us to jump back in. I hear, yeah, and I, and I think that's one of the keys there. I think Minecraft has that going on as well.
1: It's like there's this creative element. Like, oh, that's a kind of a nifty novel thing. I yeah. hadn't
2: thought of. Let me give that a shot. See how it goes. Absolutely. It's it's a really cool feeling to be so connected to it. All right. Well, well, thank you for for unpacking that. And <laughs> I, I want to hear
1: more. So, well, I, I really kind of you actually already dropped a a life lesson on us in terms of. 13-year-olds spend a lot of time playing the game so they get good, and because they get good, they're able to enjoy it. That reminds me, in high school, shout out to Fran Kick. I think he's still rocking as a motivational speaker. Fran Kick gave a speech to our marching band, which I still remember. He drew a diagram. It was like a loop, uh, like a virtuous cycle of you do some work at something, like your instrument, and then you get good at that something, and then it becomes more fun to do that something, so then you'd actually want to do some more work at it so you get even better at it. And so it's a nice mm-hmm. loop there. And I was like, that makes a lot of sense to me, Fran. And so there's one tiny leap y'all can make right there. So Greg, drop it at intro.
2: Oh, absolutely. <laughs> that's a um, that's a uh, a critical element to, if, if anyone out there hasn't read the book So Good They Can't Ignore You by Cal Newport, highly, highly recommend it. The core thesis of it is that pursuing your passion is the wrong way to go about it. Uh, The right way is to get good at something and therefore develop passion for it. Uh, And so he went to all these different careers and, and people working in different fields, things that you and I would hear and think, how can somebody possibly be passionate about that? Right. And they found that these people that are doing work that most of us would not find glamorous in any way or exciting in any way. They are super passionate about it because they have a sense of agency over it, because they have a sense of independence and uh, a feeling that they're accomplishing something because they have a sense of community, like all these different uh, factors, and none of it had anything to do with passion. In fact, passion gets developed from having those things rather than the other way around. That is wise.
1: Well, so let's talk a little bit about your world, tiny leaps, big changes. What's kind of the big
2: idea here? Yeah, so the, the whole thing with... The, the tiny leaps model. So it started as a podcast about four years ago now. And honestly, Pete, it, it was kind of accidental. It, it was one of those things like all good things in life where I was really angry about something. And so I just decided I had to do something in, in response to it. And that thing that I was really angry about was what I call sort of the corruption of self-help. So yeah. self-help is this thing that it can be massively valuable. It can help so many people in their day-to-day lives as they they move towards the things they want. But in an Instagram-driven world, it also can be very fluffy and it also can be very n- removed from practicality where... Certain people who are in certain situations, which I'm, I'm fortunate to be in, I can have an eight hour morning routine, and guess what? Uh-huh. It, it'll be fine. It's not the morning anymore. you do it. exactly right. <laughs> uh, but I can have this super complicated morning routine and wake up at five a.m. and like I can control every single detail of my life. That's not practical for the single mother of three in rural Arkansas who is struggling to make ends meet. Like that's not something she can do. That's not something that her neighbor can do. So how can we take these principles of of self-help that are valuable, like the ideas of setting goals, of um, making lists, of reading more, of educating yourself, how can we take those things and make them as practical as possible? And so the underlying philosophy became all big changes come from the tiny leaps you take every day. And, and the goal of the podcast and the media company and the book that I published this year and all of the things that we're building out is 100% to just remind somebody of that every single day. It doesn't actually matter about any individual episode or blog post or anything like that. It's at the end of this, you're going to remember all big changes come from the tiny leaps you take every day so that you can use that as a guiding principle in your day-to-day life.
1: Well I'd love it if you could share with us maybe an inspiring transformation or story associated with someone who who took on some tiny
2: leaps and sure enough saw some big changes. Yeah, I mean there's no better story for me with this than my dad. So, uh to to give listeners some context, I'm an immigrant here. So I'm 27 now. I moved to the United States when I was 7, so 20 years ago and uh, my, my family moved us over here because we had hit hard times in Jamaica. The economy had crashed recently. My dad was running three different businesses, all of which went to zero. And And he was an educated man. My mom was an educated woman. They had all the trappings of what should be successful, but they did were in an environment that didn't necessarily allow that to happen. So, we packed up, we moved to the United States, and my dad's first job here before we even got here, there was a period of about a year where he was here sort of setting the foundation and then we moved. His first job here was picking apples on an apple orchard. This is a man who was a college professor, who was uh worked in the police, I'm not sure what position but relatively high up he's still pretty well respected when you say his name down there and his first job here was picking apples on an apple orchard as a migrant worker and he lived in this trailer that i never visited while he was there but i visited when we first came here didn't have heat in the winter like it didn't have proper air circulation the water wasn't drinkable like it was a bad situation so that's where he started here By the time he passed away, which was two years ago now, he Mm -hmm. was the head of quality control at a um, distribution plant, a a bottling plant that handles major contracts, uh, brands that that you've heard of. But he moved up in life pretty dramatically. We lived a super comfortable life uh, and, and we were always sort of happy and comfortable because He started from this place and he was willing to look at that and say, okay, this is the opportunity in front of me right now. And that's going to lead me to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And over time, you create that change.
1: That's great. Very cool. Very cool witness there.
2: And I'll be honest in saying that the entire Tiny Leaps concept, like I didn't realize it when I was first developing it, but it's what I learned watching him and my mom do that because that is what they did. And I was fortunate to be young as an immigrant here. So I didn't have the immigrant experience, but I saw it firsthand and they couldn't have done it any different. That's beautiful.
1: Well, so I'm thinking now in particular about working professionals and, and some some tiny leaps that you've seen to be very impactful. What are some of, of the biggest in terms of
2: those little things you can do that make a world of difference? Yeah, so for me, it's always been, it's so funny, I always find, uh, and maybe your experience has been the same, Pete, but I always find that my life changes because of one individual moment, and I can always, I always have that sort of gut feeling of like, this is the decision that changes things, but I don't get to that moment without trying a thousand things before it. So same thing happened with this podcast. This wasn't the only thing I was doing. This wasn't the first thing I had done. By the time I launched this 4 years ago, I had already been creating stuff online for 6 years, none of which did anything. So so uh-huh. that wasn't by any means the first thing. But when I started it, there was this gut feeling of like this is going to work. Same thing with with decisions I've made recently that completely transformed my business. With that said, to, to get specific, and I only share that because I really want to drive home, it's not about the specific tactics. It's about how you approach it. It's this philosophy that if you employ it in your life, whatever your life looks like will drive results. But to get very specific, uh, one Actual thing that one one tiny decision I made in college that I thought was going to be completely inconsequential at the time. Uh, I remember I was working on a tech startup, so I'd always wanted to be an entrepreneur. Finally, I'm I'm, I'm away from home. I'm in an environment where I can build something. So I start working on a, an idea, and I didn't know how to build tech. So I sat in my room one weekend and taught myself the very basics of HTML, CSS, JavaScript, just enough, because I thought if I could at least understand what's required, then I could find somebody to do it, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I sat for this weekend, used all the free resources, wrote ridiculous amounts of code, a lot of which did not do anything right, and and finally emerged with this better understanding of how the web worked that then led to to hiring the developer which is now a really good friend of mine and the the long story short that platform didn't work that startup ended up failing horribly but that skill set of learning how to build websites, learning how the underlying technology of the web works. That then is the that is the reason I got my first full-time job after I graduated. That first full-time job is what introduced me to podcasting and got me interested in podcasts in the first place and then fast forward to here where podcasting now literally runs my entire life. And that all came because I gained a skill set that I didn't have before for a completely unrelated thing that does not exist right now. All right. So so you're drawing the distinction there. It's not about a particular prescriptive
1: tactic. Learn how to code. You know, but rather the mindset. And how would you articulate that mindset?
2: So so there's a really good quote that I think is actually really good for this. So Steve Jobs uh, there's a famous quote by him that I'm going to butcher. I apologize. Uh, but it's something like you can't connect the dots looking forward. It's only when you look backwards. So Uh there's all these different actions that you take in your life and it feels random and it feels scrambled, but 10 years down the line, you look back and you see how it all fit to where you are right now. And that's true. Whether the outcome is good or bad. So the actions you took 10 years ago led to where you are now. And there are, there are other things, there are circumstances you're facing, there's the very real uh, uh, situation of sexism, racism, like there are things that you don't control, right? But the actions you took 10 years ago led to the outcome you have now, whether that's positive or negative. And the only way you see that is by looking back at it and being willing to be honest with yourself and say, okay, this is how it connects in the same way. If you can look at the actions you take right now, the things you choose to learn, how you spend your time, who you spend it with, and you believe that the actions you took 10 years ago led to this, then you also have to believe that these actions will lead to the next 10 years. And, and uh-huh. that's what the underlying philosophy is, is the choices I make right now, no matter how small, they matter. And they matter because they're the things that connect the dots to the next 10 years. Yeah. So, but there's a lot in there.
1: So you're, we're doing some reflection on the past and zeroing in on uh, identifying the, the patterns and the behaviors and the decisions that led to your, your current place. And then recognizing that your current decisions lead to the future place and thusly, you know, not to just go on autopilot, you know, to, yeah. maybe, to be thoughtful, you know, about what you're doing and, and how you're approaching things. So, all right. So that, that is great. So, so with that application of that mindset, what are some of the behaviors with with your clients that you've seen frequently Mm -hmm. have ended up
2: compounding in some great ways yeah and and let me um let me be clear in that i i purposefully choose not to do any kind of coaching or anything like that in the self-help space because i think that's a part of what led to the industry becoming a, an issue, a, a problem in the way that it is. With that said, uh, speaking of listeners, people that have contacted me, the people in the audience and the, the community, the big things that I see really driving change always rely around uh, awareness. So things like journaling, things like tracking your your calories, things like, doing the I know Seinfeld didn't actually do this but that whole like check mark on the calendar every single day thing. Like Seinfeld didn't do that? Yeah, he came out saying that he's not sure where that came from. Oh. It it's a cool story though.
1: It really is. Write jokes every day.
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, but it, I will say I've done that though and it it actually works really well because at some point you do feel like the calendar looks so pretty with all the Xs you don't want to like ruin it. But anyway, so what I found is that people tend to engage in our day-to-day lives pretty unconsciously. Like, even if you think about the last time you got into the car and drove to your job or a place that you visit pretty frequently, there's a good chance you got out of the car at that location without remembering the one single right turn that you took or what street name that was. Or, like, you don't consciously take in that information. And there's a reason for that. We, we're we're pretty well adapted to filter all of that stuff out but we do that throughout our entire days because if we're doing a lot of the same stuff which most of us are we have our routines we have our our things that allow us to make it through life if we're doing a lot of the same stuff we filter it because there's nothing new happening what that means is all of the bad habits that we build up all of the things that we just unconsciously do that are holding us back we become unaware that we're actually doing it like we might know okay yeah I spent I went to Starbucks or whatever it is but we're not actually internalizing that in any way. And by taking it out of our heads and writing down everything, starting to get very, very deliberate about our tracking, whatever the goal might be, it could be, I want to save more money, or I want to get this promotion or whatever it is, Like if we start becoming deliberate about the actions we take towards those things and the actions we don't take towards those things, at the end of the week, we have something we can look at that tells us exactly what we did and didn't do and how much time we spent on it. Mm-hmm. And there's no debating that. Like, it's on paper. And that awareness is what eventually leads to a change in behavior because now you're looking at it and you're saying, oh, crap, I really didn't do as much as I thought I did.
1: Understood. And so with the journaling or or the, or the tracking, are there any kind of particular questions or themes you explore because I I think one way of journaling is to just sort of a chronology of what went down yeah I woke up I ate this food I took a shower you you know and and so I'm imagining you have
2: something else in mind when you say the word journaling no I found that it's it's for like what works for you is going to be different than what works for me I, I can't remember the word for that right now but it is very unique to the person Like I have a list of questions that I ask myself, but that changes literally every single week. What I found like the the bare minimum, and this is mostly what I do when I journal, to be honest with you, Pete, it's literally just making a list and I won't like log my entire day because there's parts of it I don't need to track. If my goal right now is fitness related, I don't need to track necessarily my financial stuff like that's not where my focus is. So Uh I'll make a list of everything related to the actual goal throughout the day. And I won't look back at that list with any kind of judgment or uh, with any kind of like, oh, I need to hold myself accountable or anything like that, because that only leads to you feeling bad. And that doesn't drive change. What I will do, though, is make that list. And at the end of the week, I will schedule time with myself to review the list and purely come at it from this is what reality is. How do we change that?
1: Yeah, yeah. This is what reality is, and how do we change that? That's resonating. I've been thinking a lot, just randomly, about the word should, mm. and people say should for all kinds of things. Like, I, I should, and I think about behavior change, you know, I should I should not eat out so much. I should, you know, get to work earlier and, and, and do some things. I should get to inbox zero. And, and what, I, what I find intriguing about that is that the word should is, is sometimes used in sort of like a moral, ethical, obligation sense, like, you should pay your taxes. Right. <laughs> and other times it's used in the sense of, of behaving differently. And, and I think that there's some power in just exploring what we mean by a should, in terms of, are are we just saying that? Well, well, sure. If if I were to eat out less, I that would derive some benefit in terms of saving money or or, or eating more healthfully. But in the grand scheme of all the the pulls and competing demands of life, is that uh, a prudent, worthy priority? And at what will be the the downsides and and what's going to be sacrificed as a result of that? And is that indeed optimal? So it's like, should you really? Is the should valid? Mm. I guess I, I'm going in a little bit of circles here, but I think what's powerful about getting clear on tracking the actions associated with the goal is that you can sort of feel better about what you're doing and what you're not doing and, and seeing if,
2: in fact, a real change is worthy of, of being made. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, to that last point, I think we often also and I'm I'm still exploring this. I'm not sure if it's going to be the topic of my second book yet, but it is something I'm very interested in. So it'll be something. But I think we've gotten to a point where a lot of us are chasing productivity or accomplishment or whatever it is purely for the sake of productivity or accomplishment or whatever it is, not so much because that thing actually needs to happen for us. And I've started to, one of the, the issues I have with the self-help space is that you can find there, there are entire communities. I don't know if you know this, Pete, there are, there are entire communities out there of people trying to hack every single second of every single day to squeeze out maximum productivity. And, it sort of started as a weird corruption of like Tim Ferriss' four-hour workweek concept, but it's gotten really weird. And a big thing that I'm noticing is that productivity in a lot of ways right now is the disciplined pursuit of bullshit. <laughs> Let me get this thing done because my life needs it or because people around me need it or whatever it is. It's more so like, let me just check this off because like it's what i'm I should be doing to to use that term well, certainly and, and that sounds like it. it could lead you into some dark places as I kind of play that out in my mind uh, with regard to that. Oh absolutely. there's an entire industry around uh um, like brain enhancing supplements to maximize productivity. It's a weird world out there
1: well and I suppose with with prudence and and a goal oriented approach that might be just the thing. Yeah. In terms of oh it would be helpful if I were able to focus longer based upon my objectives. Mm-hmm. And and this thing seems to have some good science behind it. Therefore, we're we're taking it as opposed to any opportunity to do anything we're we're, we're reaching after.
2: <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. And I think that that is the distinction, right? There is and it goes back to the idea of conscious versus unconscious you can fall into the trap of becoming productive unconsciously. Mm-hmm. And that's not a good thing, ultimately. Like, you are just chasing tasks because you feel like you should and chasing the the supplements because you feel like it'll help you chase those tasks, which is fundamentally built on something that didn't matter.
1: Yeah. We got some thought-provoking stuff here, Greg. Mm-hmm. I'm chewing on this. Well, I'd love to get your take, then, when you are zeroing in on on, on going after some tiny leaps and, and you're experiencing fear, resistance, uh, don't feel like it, low motivation. Uh, what do you recommend in terms of just summoning the the force to,
2: to get her done? Yeah. Well, so the first thing, and this isn't going to help you in that moment, but it is something to acknowledge when you are more level-headed, is that Motivation isn't enough. And I think we all unconsciously know this because motivation fails us the moment we actually need it. But it's just not enough to do anything in life. And there's so much pain and sacrifice involved in changing any small thing in your life because that change is viewed as loss, It's a loss of that thing that you had. Even if that thing was bad, even if it was negative, you started to, in some way, some small way, identify with that thing as a part of you and to change it means losing that part of you. So. There is a lot of pain and sacrifice required to make any change in your life. And motivation is not enough to get over pain. One of, the, one of my favorite quotes, and I, I've been meaning to look up where this came from originally, but it's that people will do far more to avoid pain than they will to gain pleasure. Mm-hmm. Being motivated to gain something is not enough to push you through the pain of losing something. So with that said, if you do find yourself in that moment where motivation fails you, one thing I've found to help me uh, really, really dramatically is to get up and do something else. And that's where, that's one of my biggest issues with the quote unquote productivity industry, because humans are not machines and we can't just endlessly plug away at something. By getting up and doing something else, you're allowing your subconscious mind to deal with that problem. You're allowing your body to get the rest it needs. You're allowing your mind, your eyes rather, to get the rest it needs. By doing something else, you're giving yourself the refresher you might need to be able to come back and use willpower or whatever it is to push through the rest of that task. So don't be afraid just because something has a due date on it. You'll probably get it done faster by getting up and doing something else for a short period of time, rather than struggling through it for the next hour and only getting five minutes worth of work done. And just to add to that, there's a really good book that I highly recommend. Uh, it's called Two Awesome Hours. And I'm pu- I'm, I'm going to look for the name of the author right now, but it's written by an NYU neurologist that changed the way that I, I looked at Uh, productivity and like what we should be aiming for in our day-to-day lives. And and so what is the premise of two awesome hours? So as you can probably imagine, uh, two awesome hours is built around this idea that you should be aiming on a day-to-day basis. And this is much more like career focus, but on a day-to-day basis, you should be aiming to like your, your target is two hours of focused uninterrupted work. That's it. Now it might take you eight hours in a day to get those two hours, but they've done the research on this. Most of us working an eight-hour day do not work for eight hours. Mm -hmm. So by getting hyper-focused around the idea of, okay, I'm just going to get two done, that's it, just two hours, that allows you to cut out all the distractions, that allows you to give yourself the space to, to drift as you might need to. So if you're getting distracted, let yourself get distracted for a shorter period of time rather than fighting it for a long period of time. And and just playing with this idea of what would it need to look like for us to focus for a two hour window rather than going into it with, I need to focus for the next eight hours. All right. I dig it.
1: Well, tell me, Greg, anything else you want to make sure to mention before we hear about some of your favorite things?
2: No, I mean, ultimately, listen, it's when you're trying to do something in your life, that that change is, it is big, it is painful, it is a, a representative of loss. And you shouldn't downplay it. Like, I think the biggest problem that people have with personal development, and, and this is certainly true for me, I'm not speaking as a guru here, I'm speaking as someone who struggles with it. The biggest issue that we all have is that we start to beat ourselves up when we don't hit the goal or when we aren't as productive as we need to. And then we look for alternatives to fix it and how are we gonna optimize this thing and whatever it is. And the truth is, like this stuff is hard. Like It is legitimately difficult to do. Approach it with that understanding and give yourself the room to work through that difficult thing. You wouldn't wake up tomorrow and expect to be able to hit a grand slam in the World Series. But for some reason, we wake up tomorrow and expect to change our entire lives. That's ridiculous.
1: Another thing that's legitimately difficult to do is just to handle all the things when you're running your own business or side hustle. Sometimes the proposals, the contracts, tracking down payments and that kind of thing can bog you down and sap your enthusiasm for your vision. Fortunately, our sponsor HoneyBook can help. HoneyBook is an online business management tool that organizes your client communications, bookings, contracts, and invoices all in one spot. You could save time and make things look really gorgeous with their thoughtful, professional templates, invoices, proposals, intake questionnaires, e-signatures, payments, and more for a great client experience that's nicely integrated, that makes you look super legit, professional, and just more awesome at your job. HoneyBook has thought, Things through So well, I got a real kick out of how when I added my logo, it automatically suggested a button color based upon the color in my logo. I didn't have to find the hex code or match it to something else. They just did it for me and it made sense. It looked great. So I ran with it. Their thoughtful, beautiful, professional, time-saving features have made HoneyBook the number one choice for client management for freelancers and small business owners. And right now, HoneyBook is offering our listeners 50% off when you visit honeybook.com slash awesome. Their payment is flexible and the promotion applies whether you choose to pay monthly or annually. So to do that, you go to honeybook.com slash awesome to snag 50% off your first year. That's spelled HoneyBook, H-O-N-E-Y-B-O-O-K.com slash awesome. Thank you. Well now, could you share a favorite
2: quote, something you find inspiring? The one that that really comes to mind for me is not really a quote that I think everyone's gonna be able to uh relate to, but for those of you who do, I think it'll help a lot. And it's from my dad. So for most of my life I've been I've been like that ambitious person. Like I had the big dreams when I was a kid and worked hard and all of that stuff, right? But my biggest flaw was always that I jumped from thing to thing. And I would fall massively in love with something. And a week later, I'd be done with it and on to the next thing. And I remember my dad sat me down maybe four or five years ago and looked at me and just said, you have all the potential in the world, but you're going to sabotage yourself. And Mm. it didn't click for me. Like when he told me, I actually remember being very upset. Like I felt personally attacked and like all of the like defensive stuff, right? It was after he passed away that it finally like settled in for me, what he was trying to tell me. And so for those of you listening that struggle with that jumping from thing to thing, I want to just pass that to you. You have all the potential in the world. But unless you are able to rein yourself in and spend enough time on something to be able to actually give it a chance of succeeding, you're going to sabotage yourself. You know, we had uh, Jay Papazan
1: on the show in one of the earlier episodes talking about uh, The One Thing, which is an amazing book, I think. Oh, phenomenal. And he said that I learned as a writer that there's a massive difference between being creative- you know like staying up and having ideas and <laughs> and actually producing you know publishable work and and the latter kind of required him to wake up and consistently put down words at a particular time in his calendar to get the job done
2: yeah yeah it's it's there is a distinction between the two, and both are required, both are good, but at the end of the day, creativity just lives in your head. The thing that puts it out is showing up every day and and actually carving that creativity into something. And just real quick, so the book I mentioned before, Two Awesome Hours, it's written by Josh Davis. And again, highly, highly recommend it. And how about a favorite study or experiment or bit of research? Oh, that's a good one. So, years ago, when I first started the show, I think it was episode four, I was looking into what happens in the brain when you meditate. Now, I cannot remember for the life of me who the study was from or any of those details. But the thing that I learned from it is that when you meditate, it increases over time. Obviously, it increases the amount of gray matter. I believe in the brain, and gray matter is responsible for uh, memory recall. It's responsible for keeping yourself like calm and, and all of those like management type things. And so, there is an actual scientific link. And this, I think, was the biggest takeaway to me: was meditation isn't just fluffy. Like, there's an actual scientific link between you meditating and and taking that time. And over time, that increasing your ability in the moment to stay calm and relaxed and and, uh, handle complex situations. And you mentioned a couple, but how about another favorite book? There is a book that I finished four days ago. Uh, It's called The Power. And the concept of the book, so it is, it explores what would happen in a world where women suddenly had all the power. Like, so, so to, to, this isn't spoiling anything, but something happens and women, for whatever reason, are able to use electric powers, essentially. And it's not magical in any way. Like, it feels very normal the way she writes it. And so mm-hmm. phenomenal book for those of you who like fiction and also love politics and just sort of power dynamics and exploring those things. And how about a favorite tool, something you use to be awesome at your job? Notion. I recently discovered Notion.so, and when I tell you it has, I've never been able to use any like uh, project management tool for my business. They've just never felt like right. Notion. Every single thing that I sit here and I'm like, oh, I wish it could. I immediately tried it and can do it now. I don't know what the team behind it is doing to make that possible, but please don't stop if you're listening to this. And how about a favorite habit? I would say journaling before bed. And it's something that I've been able to maintain as a habit. I definitely slip, I would say, every other night or so. But uh, whenever I do it, it feels like I'm able to actually clear my head and get better quality sleep. And the only nights that I don't do it are when I end up staying up late for other reasons. And because it's, it's now late... I just essentially crash, but the sleep quality is never as good if I don't journal. And is there a particular nugget you share that really seems to connect and resonate with folks? They repeat it back to you? All big changes come from the tiny leaps you take every day. It's such a simple concept, but I think that most people know it. And one of the so, speaking of my book, one of the number one reviews for it on Amazon is oh, there's nothing new here. And I find it funny when I read that and like its position is like a negative thing, but I find it funny reading that because there is nothing new in self-help. You already know what works. The only reason you listen to me or you listen to this show is because you're searching for like some kind of edge to like make it work better. But guess what? You know what works. Just do that.
1: And if folks want to learn more, get in touch, where would you point them?
2: I would tell them, uh, if you like podcasts, which clearly you do, head over to Tiny Leaps Big Changes. Just do a search wherever you're listening to this. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, pretty much every platform. And then if you are interested in connecting further, November 1st, which I'm pretty sure this is publishing after that, but November 1st, we are launching the new Tiny Leaps website at tinyleaps.fm. And so you'll find articles from our contributors. You'll find uh, podcast episodes. You'll find uh, videos in the near future. And it, it's just sort of the next expansion of the podcast to a larger media platform.
1: Okay. And do you have a final challenge or call to action for folks seeking to be awesome at their jobs?
2: I would say look at like today. I don't, I don't care what time you're listening to this. It could be midnight. But right after you're done listening to this, I would challenge you to really like sit down with pen, paper, and just ask yourself, what is it that I actually want? Like, it, especially with career, it's so easy to get caught up in just the ladder of it and the cycle of it. But it's really important to make sure you retain actual control over the direction things are going and where you want to push it specifically, because otherwise you'll wake up 50 years from now. And a good friend of mine, Dominic Cartuccio, uh, explained this to me. The definition of hell is waking up at the end of your life and seeing what your life could have been had you done the things you said you wanted to do. So start asking yourself, what is it that I actually want to do? And then start taking those actions tomorrow. Greg, this has been fun. Keep on rocking. Thank you so much for having me.
1: I really appreciated Greg's take how so often the thing that makes a huge impact is just the tracking, whether it's your calories or your journaling or checking out how much of something you've done or how you're spending your time. We heard that from Laura Vanderkam with the Time Journal or Diary, that that could really make a big impact in terms of saying, whoa, this is how things really look. This is the state of affairs right here, right now. I'm surprised to see this is so much or so little. And then you're inspired, you're sparked to make a tiny leap that, can result in a big change. So again, the show notes, the transcript, the links to Adams we've referenced are at awesomeatyourjob.com slash F511. If you haven't already, I hope you'll push subscribe. For our next episode, I'm actually gonna share with you one of the finest episodes we've ever published historically that I've noticed actually didn't have a whole lot of people listen because it was way back in the day before episode 100 even. And I think it's just so important I think about it maybe every single week of my life. And I just want to make sure that all y'all people who've hopped on board less than three years ago, don't miss out on this excellent episode. So I hope to catch you there and peace.
0: Thanks for listening. To get the most out of the show, we recommend two key things. First, check out the extra resources at awesomeatyourjob.com